Great. Thank you very much, Rosie. Uh, do keep that open. We're going to look into this first little section of Proverbs tonight. But let's pray and ask for the Lord's wisdom as we do that. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that as we've sung tonight about loving you, that you first loved us. And we pray that now you'll speak and reveal your love and your purposes, your good purposes for us, your people. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, one writer on Proverbs introduces the book by quoting an old children's prayer, Lord, make the bad people good and the good people nice. It's a little reminder that it's possible to be a good person, you know, to keep the rules and be respectable, and yet to have an ugly life, the kind of person that people see you come along the street and they cross the street to avoid you. Well, this is where Proverbs comes in. It's a very practical book. God, God has given us um, the law, the commandments in the Bible. He's given us the prophets in the Old Testament who call us back to God's law when we go astray. But he's also given us wisdom. Proverbs is one of the, people think of three wisdom books, uh, along with people like Job and Ecclesiastes. Given us Proverbs as wisdom for daily life. This is about not so much religion, ritual, as about relationships. And about guidance. We saw that word in the reading. Guidance for us in how we live daily life. Um, so it's going to help us, Proverbs, in the next few weeks to do things like to know how to choose friends that won't annoy you by talking loudly at you in the first thing in the morning. You know the kind of person that does that? Just waking up, need your first coffee? Uh, or colleagues at work who won't fritter time away so that the jobs never get done. Proverbs is very good at this kind of practical stuff. And it's an important thing, this wisdom, because wisdom, that kind of wisdom, has got buried in our modern world, hasn't it? We've got so much data now. We're sinking under it. We're under a mountain of information, but we haven't got wisdom. Tonight we have King Solomon, as we saw verse 1, introducing this book of Proverbs to us. 31 chapters, and we're going to see the first nine chapters are really a long introduction, an invitation to us to read on into chapters 10 to 31 and mine from that some of the Proverbs, the proverbial wisdom that's stored there. In fact, he's going to do more. He won't just invite us. He'll call us. He'll urge us. He'll say, get this wisdom, whatever else you do. Nothing else matters except this wisdom. Buy it, he says, at any price. It's precious. So we're going to sample chapters 1 to 9 tonight and the next two weeks. And then the remainder of our series, we're going to go on and look at some of the, some of the real practical proverbs that come from verse, uh, chapter 10 to the end of the book, 10 to 31. So an invitation in verses 1 to 9, and then some examples, what we think of as Proverbs. We'll see a couple tonight in chapters 10 to 31. We'll touch on areas like work, family, friendships, relationships, and life and death. That's just a foretaste of where we're going the next few Sunday evenings. So Solomon introduces wisdom in this first seven verses of chapter 1, 
And he's going to say three things here about it. He's going to say, no wisdom's form, no wisdom's value, and no wisdom's source. It's form, it's value, and it's source. Let's start by looking in verse 1 at what I mean by wisdom's form. You may have heard of Solomon uh, in the Old Testament. He's one of the great kings of Israel, known famous, in fact, worldwide for his wisdom. The Queen of Sheba came to visit him, to learn from him. You can read about him in 1 Kings, chapter 4, chapter 10 especially. But actually, headings later in the book tell us this is not only Solomon's wisdom he's passing on. There are other wise men, sages, who are contributing to this book. And all these, kind of, they're like Yoda figures, aren't they? From Star Wars. Wise words they're giving us for us to listen to and to learn from. And notice what I just said. What form does wisdom come? It comes in words. It's a key little thing, isn't it, in our visual age today where you get your, your IKEA flat-pack furniture with the diagrams of how to assemble it. never works for us, but hey. Uh, or how to change your bike tie. You go on YouTube and watch a video. But biblical wisdom comes in words. They're described, aren't they, in verse 1 as proverbs. Short, pithy sayings. We saw some of them earlier from Izzy. Saying, uh, sayings about how to live life well. If you look at verse 6, Solomon expands the, the definition. Wisdom comes to us in parables, uh, so stories from life with a meaning to them, words of the wise, and riddles of the wise, uh, obscure sayings. Uh, verse 6. All those different forms, they're all words. Stories, riddles, parables, sayings. Now in the Gospels, Jesus is the, the master of these riddles and proverbs and parables. And we'll come back to him later. But let's just pick out, before we move on to our main second and third points here, proverbs have certain characteristics about them. And it's just worth knowing these because we'll come back, especially in the latter part of this series, chapter 10 to 31 of Proverbs, to look at some of these little pithy sayings. They are brief, just like our own English Proverbs are very brief. You know, fools jump in where... How's it go? Angels fear to tread, that's right. And, uh, too many cooks spoil the broth. They're short, pithy things. And we, we know them, don't we? They're memorable. They often have two lines to them, two halves, which often the second will repeat the first, but develop it or emphasize it or sometimes contradict it or give its balancing truth. So uh, chapter 10, verse 19, um, don't worry about turning to that right now, but it says, when words are multiplied, in other words, if you talk a lot, sin is not lacking, but the prudent hold their tongues. That's the contrast may contrast, it may also be a comparison. 11.22, it's a great one, this one. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. See the point there? If you've got something precious, then make sure you, you, you put it, you keep it in a, a, a context that adorns it, not that contradicts it. Proverbs are truth, but they are situation-specific truth. They're truth for 
this situation. Not always true in every situation. Sometimes in Proverbs, you'll see one thing said in one verse, and then a chapter later, another verse, may say almost the opposite. That's not because they are contradictory, it's because they're situation-specific. So again, a couple of examples. 15.22 says, Without counsel, advice, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. That's about planning and, and advice. But then 19 verse 21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a person, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So in that sense, plans are not quite pointless, but certainly sidelined. So that's the form of God's wisdom. Life-changing, pithy sayings that come from God and a little bit of understanding the form they take will help us to really drink in that wisdom. And do you see what I'm saying here? You may be a busy worker, busy week ahead. You know, Monday morning is coming. You may be a student getting to grips with this term's work. You may be just a, someone that's searching for God and distracted by all the stuff in your life, perhaps going through difficult... Proverbs, wisdom from God, it's not the kind of thing we can just click up like that, like with, with, with a click of a mouse, with a quick 30-second video. It's going to take attention, Solomon's saying. It's going to take humility to sit and absorb and go deep with this, to listen if we're going to benefit from Solomon's wisdom. Here's the second, really this is the kind of big point tonight. No wisdom's value. No wisdom's value. This is the middle chunk, verses 2 to 6. In these verses, Solomon's telling us in several ways why we should listen. Why this stuff really is worth putting that effort into. Because he's got a goal in writing this book. It is, as he says, to lay God-given guidance in front of us for daily life. To help us to live life well. To help us to know God and to know God in daily life. So, this is important. Proverbs is not moralism. It's not saying, do this, do that, try harder. If anything, it's evangelism. It's good news that God's giving us here. He says, if you'll listen to my words and, and put this into practice, your life will go better. In fact, your eternity, we'll see, will also go better. It's good news. It's not um, moralistic. Try harder. Solomon uses several words for that wisdom, that good news here. He says in verse 2, it's insight. Uh, that's something that's not obvious to everyone, but becomes obvious to you. That's insight, isn't it? Instruction, verse 3. That's a tough one. The word there is discipline. Because wisdom sounds great, doesn't it? If you kind of absorb it without any effort. But instruction, that's a bit like sitting back in school, isn't it? That's lessons. That's hard work. Teaching, he says, what is right and just and fair. It is going to change how we live if we allow God to use it that way. It gives prudence, verse 4. Again, do you like prudence, the idea of that, that word prudence? It's, kind of, it's not a particularly nice word, is it, in our culture? It makes it sound um, unadventurous, boring even. Some helpfully translate it instead, shrewdness. That's quite a good translation. It's godly cunning. Knowing how to get something done in the right way and in a godly way giving godly cunning. So you begin to see the value of this wisdom from God. 
it is about shaping how we live in ways that will, yes, help us, but will enable us to honour God in how we live as well. Because you see, character, the people that we really are inside, that's what Proverbs is all about, shaping our character. Because if you think about it, character is hugely influential. The people that we are inside before God, that dictates, that leads to the conduct that we show, the way that we live. And Proverbs is saying, your conduct will eventually shape your very destiny, your, the consequences in your life. And Proverbs will keep doing that to us, saying if you do this, it will go well. If you do the other, it will not go well. Either now, or if not now, in the future and in eternity. Character shapes conduct, which shapes consequences. Now in verse 4, we come across one of Proverbs' favourite descriptions of many human beings. It's not a very flattering one. Do you see that verse 4? Forgiving prudence to the simple. To the simple. The word there, it's, it's about being open, uh, but it's, again, it's not a good way. It's open to anything. Or we'd say gullible. Uncommitted. Going with the flow. And Proverbs is saying, although we may think we're sophisticated and clever, actually, without God's wisdom, we're just simple. We are gullible. We don't know how to make discerning, discriminating decisions in life. And so Proverbs is, you might think of Proverbs as guidance for the gullible or direction for dummies. Because the Bible says we're all dummies without God's wisdom. Verse 32, actually, later in the chapter, he warns these simple ones, that's us, that if we don't listen to his wisdom, it will actually prove fatal in the end. Wisdom saves us from many traps, many mistakes, many hardships and destructive things in life, but it also saves us in eternity. Now, there's wisdom here for everyone, because we're all simple, or, you know, with God's help we become wise. But also there's especially help for the young in Proverbs. People think this was written by Solomon and his other colleagues as almost a kind of university training course in God's wisdom. To train up young men, and we'd have, we'd say, women today, in wisdom to equip them for life. And, of course, for leadership and influence. A training manual for life. Especially for the young, with all, Lord willing, with all those years ahead to learn this stuff and put it into practice. So the question for us, as we think about the value of this wisdom, is this. How do I do that? How do I really show I value wisdom? Well, verse 5 has the answer. It kind of pops up in the middle of verses 2 to 6 and says, so this is the point of this little section. Verse 5, let the wise listen and add to their learning. So you may be wise, but you and I can still add to that. And let the discerning get guidance. It's a strong word there. Um, Obtain it, acquire it, go out and buy it if you have to. Pay anything for it. 
So if you are wise enough tonight, as you know, I so pray that you and I will be, if you, we are wise enough to want this wisdom from God, this life-giving wisdom, Solomon says, well, listen to it. Add to it. And do all you can to acquire it. Maybe someone here on the edge of faith and wondering, you know, does it really matter if I take this stuff in, if I come to church, if I read the Bible? Well, here's wisdom from God, says Solomon, that is not just a a kind of a bolt-on and add-on to everything else in your life that's preoccupying you. It's not just something that if you have a bit of Proverbs, it'll make your life a bit more successful. This is actually truth, good news, that will rescue you from misadventure in this life, but also from death in eternity. It's life-giving. Maybe you're a believer, you follow Christ, and you and I just need this reminder, don't we, that this is precious stuff we have in the Bible, in this book of Proverbs. It is gold to us. So easy for you and I to drift into making God's guidance for life something that we turn to when we're not busy with other stuff, we forget about it rather than being what it is, the truth which sets us free. The life-changing words of God given to the people of God for the blessing of us and the world. So let's get it. Let's listen to it. Let's acquire it. And I wonder what price you or I are prepared to pay this week to get this wisdom. What have you and I got to stop doing to make time to read the Bible? What have we got to do to set aside, maybe just to go over this passage, this sermon again later in the week, and just let it sink in? Because it's riddles, it's parables, it's words, it's not a 30-second fix. Maybe you and I, some of us are maybe eager to tell others about what we know about God, but less quick to listen. You might know in the New Testament letter of James, he warns there, he says, be slow to teach, and quick to listen. That's Proverbs all over, isn't it? Listen to it. Add to your learning. Take it in. There was a great Puritan bishop of Norwich called Bishop Joseph Hall. He said this, the one who hears gathers, but the one who teaches spends. If we spend without gathering, we will soon be bankrupt. Isn't that great wisdom? Let's make sure we're gathering, not just spending. Because finally, if you and I know the form of God's wisdom and the value, more precious than rubies of God's wisdom, let's, above all, know wisdom's source, where true wisdom is found. That's verse 7, which is in some ways the big theme of the whole book. Verse 7. Let's read it again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. She said to get such a great verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You see, that to fear the Lord, uh, that doesn't just mean to tremble before him, though it can mean that. It's to love him, to submit willingly to his teaching because you know it's good teaching, Proverbs says later, I've put one or two other references there, verse 
5 of chapter 3, it's to trust in the Lord. That's a, almost a synonym, another way of saying it, to fear the Lord, to trust in the Lord. It's to shun evil. So it's got the negative as well, turn away from evil. That's fearing the Lord. That's loving God. And it's also to submit willingly, verses 11 and 12 of chapter 3. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. If, if he has things he wants to teach you, don't be hard-hearted. Don't block your ears up like a toddler and want to hear what your parent has to say because he disciplines, says those verses, those that he loves as children. That's fearing the Lord. In contrast, in that verse, it says fools despise wisdom. Fools don't want to hear this stuff. Fools think they can manage without it. We do, don't we, humanly? I can make my way through life without God's guidance. I can know best how to be successful in life and how to navigate death itself. Solomon says that's the language of fools that despise wisdom. Now, it's not that the only wisdom in the world is found in Proverbs or indeed in the Bible. Uh, there's wisdom in human life, isn't there? Uh, kind of common sense, we might call it. And that's valuable. But the Bible does say, in James again, there's wisdom from above that comes from God and there's wisdom from below. That's just human wisdom. And there is a difference. Chapter 2, verse 6, I've put it up there, says that the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It's that reminder that the fear of the Lord comes from knowing God because he has spoken to us. From the Lord comes wisdom. So to fear the Lord, what is it? Well, it's it's to see that I need his guidance. It's to admit that, that I'm a simpleton without him. It's to ask him to speak and to show himself to me so that I can begin to get his direction and listen and experience him shaping my life in good ways for now and for eternity because he's good. I don't know if you know the Narnia stories by C.S. Lewis about the children that go through the wardrobe and they find themselves in this extraordinary wintry land called Narnia. Uh, and, and the first visit, they come across um, one of the animals in, in Narnia called, it's one of the beavers, and the beaver kind of acts as a guide. He's a good friend to them, and he's taking them to meet the lion figure, Aslan, who's kind of the Christ figure of the Narnia stories. And as they go, they hear about this, this lion, and of course they're quite nervous about this, and the children ask, this Aslan, is he safe? And the beaver replies, well, of course he isn't safe, but he is good. And that's the fear of the Lord, isn't it? He's not safe because he's the maker of the universe, but he is good. His direction, his discipline, his instruction, his insight, his wisdom is for you, for your good, because he loves you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. What's he mean by that? Does he mean that it's the way into wisdom? Well, yes, he does. It's only as we come to know the Lord, to love him, to fear him, that wisdom begins to enter our hearts. But he doesn't just mean that. The word there... The fear of the Lord is the, is the foundation of wisdom. We build on it, having begun with it when we come to Christ. It's, as it were, the doorway, but also the pathway of wisdom is, is to know God, to know the Lord. 
and to listen and submit to him. It's rather like, you know, in, in maths you've got numbers, 2 plus 2 equals 4, the kind of building blocks of maths. In language you've got the ABC. Well, in wisdom, in real wise good living, the fear of the Lord is, is that starting point on which you build. If you know him, wisdom will gradually flow and grow. And knowing wisdom's source, we discover in the New Testament, is actually knowing Christ. Intriguing verse in Matthew where Jesus says that one greater than Solomon is here. Talk about himself. Christ's wisdom is even greater than Solomon's. And the verse I put at the top of the sheet tonight, 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30, Christ has become for us wisdom from God. Not just ideas or words now, but the word Jesus, the person, is wisdom. All the riches of wisdom are found in him, says Paul in Colossians 2 verse 3. It's because of Christ that we find wisdom. It's because he has shown himself to us that we know wisdom. It's because we are in him if we follow him, that we begin to experience the wisdom of God. The fear of the Lord, the love of Christ, is the beginning of wisdom. So as I finish, we're going to keep coming back next week to wisdom and to foolishness and to some of the practical things that flow from those. What do we do this week? How do we go on in wisdom from here? Well, Christ is the source of wisdom. So go to him. That's what Proverbs is really saying. Here is a book, Proverbs, the Bible, we might say, that can help the oldest saint to find direction, but also the youngest sinner and everything in between. It can guide the most mixed-up student and the most sceptical seeker. So I just urge you this week and these coming weeks, if, like me, you need that wisdom... Ask him for it. Go to Christ. Say, show me yourself. Show me your wisdom for life. Guide me. Give me a heart to listen and go your way. Take up this book. Read it. Why not read a chapter a day over the next month? It's 31 chapters. Read the Gospels to find Jesus there who is wisdom from God, the real wisdom. Keep coming, come next week to hear the next instalment of this extraordinary wisdom of Proverbs. Because that's the question tonight, isn't it? Which wisdom will you and I seek? Will we seek the wisdom from the world that's often bright and shiny and attractive and easily acquired? Or will we seek above all of that the wisdom from God that is slow and patient and sometimes tough to acquire but is life-changing and is everlasting? Let's pray. You might like to thank God tonight if you are someone that follows Christ for the, the people that he used to bring you to himself as you went looking for wisdom. 
you found that in Christ. And we thank you, Lord, that as you say, these things are hidden from the wise and learned, but you reveal them to little children, those that come to you in simple faith. Thank you, Father, that you love us and teach us as your children. Give us patience to learn of you. Give us love for you, fear of the Lord that is the foundation of wise lives that trust you for now and that trust you for eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.